Hey everybody, welcome to Beat Down After the Bell of UFC 243 on Between Rounds Radio. TJ DeSantis alongside the Maverick, Micah Miller, and the Style Bender. The last Style Bender. The one and only Style Bender. Now is the one and only UFC middleweight champion. Uh, started the night off as the interim champ. He defeats Robert Whitaker, who was just the UFC champ, not undisputed. And now that I think about it, Robert Whitaker has actually never won a title and had his hand raised as the undisputed champion because he won an interim title and then really never got to defend it because UL Romero couldn't make weight. So that's a weird trivia question. Yeah, but <laughs> I don't know. They're how destined many, to fight again. How many style benders are there? I don't know. Well, I mean, were there many before the last? <laughs> I, I don't I know. Um, Israel Adesanya gets it done. Uh, a stoppage, uh, nearly stopped in the first round. And I want to go back to that sequence. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5000. Enjoy! It's where the fight was nearly ended, and maybe potentially ended in the wrong way, if Adesani doesn't show some, some you know, better judgment. Uh, he hit Whitaker in the final moments of the first round, and Whitaker was clearly hurt, but the bell rang, and Adesanya doesn't throw another strike. Mark Goddard um, wasn't necessarily late getting in there, but Adesanya could have thrown another punch that would have yeah. landed clean. Yeah. Had it, we would have had a mess on our hands because I don't know if Whitaker gets up and walks back to his corner. Yeah, no question. I mean, his arms were like field goal posts, and it was just one straight right hand away from just going right down the middle and ending the night, and then you have this – whole fiasco and we were bracing ourselves because i think we're still we're still haven't recovered from the, the new mexico or the mexico city card right yeah know, uh that, that we just had but yeah that well, was speaking of which we also got like a an eye poke too in yeah, in this fight for a brief scary. moment where yeah, yeah i don't know the, the the mark munoz Lieto machita like restraint with like the the raised hand kind of yes. like save the kind of like save the fight and he ended up cleaning it up in the in the second round. Yeah. Um so Israel Adesanya gets it done in a very big way. When I look at this fight, I mean, I, I had questions about Robert Whitaker returning because of just the nature of his I, I guess it would be title reign. Yes. I mean, two really hard fights with UL Romero. Yes. Um you know, w missed missed the Adesanya fight the first go around because of uh, a hernia um, and now fights tonight and it was it was clear in that first round that he could take some punishment his chin was still there he was ready for a war but when you get hit that clean multiple times 
I don't care who you are. Your night's going to be done. Yeah, I mean, going into this fight, like if I, when I talk to, to some of my, my teammates and, and just friends in MMA, like I always kind of said, you know, we'll see how he bounces back from this fight. And they're like, what do you mean he won his last fight? I'm sorry, folks. He did not win his last fight. Yoel Romero won that fight. He, got, he hit the deck, I think, three times at least in that fight. And, uh, you know, I think enough time passed where people forgot about what really happened in that fight. So, you know, he got a lot of time to kind of recoup. But coming into coming back into this fight, you know, I, I, w- I had a lot of questions um, of kind of what he, he was really going to show us uh, um, coming into this fight. Because while Adesanya is very much a different fighter than than Yoel, still, man, he, he t- took a lot of shots in that fight. You know, he uh, th- like I said, three knockdowns at least. And, you know, I had a lot of questions about how he's actually going to look. Um, I don't think he looked, like you said, I don't think he looked terrible, but I just think he ran into a, a cleaner striker. And I think that favored Israel. Um, you know, we talked earlier uh, or, or during the show. Um, I think this was a better matchup for him, for, for Israel, because than his last fight. Because he had a lot of, he had a lot of rough moments in that fight. You know, a lot's made about how how deep he had to dig down in that fifth round to really seal the championship for that fight. But I thought that was due to a lot of the nature of of Gastelum really being a brawler. You know, he he's he's built short, stocky, you know, great chin. I thought a lot of those things uh allowed him to turn the fight into a brawl, force Israel the the superior technician to brawl with him. This fight, I thought the way it matched up, I thought that Robert was more of a technical striker and I thought that played into Israel's style in in his favor a lot more. So I think that's how we got it done in the second round. Well, he's now the undisputed middleweight champion of the world. And we were talking a little bit about his rise to getting to this spot. And the aforementioned Yoel Romero was never Mm -hmm. won in front of Israel Adesanya. Now, I don't think Mm -hmm. Yoel Romero is going to get a title fight anytime soon. And if he was given a title fight, everyone's going to hold their collective breath Mm -hmm. on whether or not he would make weight. (laughs) Right. But I'm curious. Yoel does pose... A bit of a challenge, or or a fighter like Uel, which I mean, it's, it's hard to say there's anybody quite like Uel. Yeah, there, but <laughs> right. You know, what do you think about Adesanya if he, you know, is up against someone that can take him down, drag him through the mud, and and kind of, uh, you know, Gaslam wasn't really able to seal the deal, but like, mm-hmm. do, do you feel like we know a lot about Adesanya and all the challenges that could be in front of him? Do you feel like you can forecast what his title reign will? look like against you know every single type of fighter no not really I, I think the same the same kind of questions that I have about Israel are the same kind of questions that I had when Connor was coming up through the ranks you know they're well apparently they're the same they did the same exact thing according right to the yeah I mean yeah. I mean there there are certain types of fighters that they're clearly not being booked against for a reason and I think that with him facing Yoel, I think it presents a lot of problems from a strength perspective, just a physical strength when they tie up. I think there's a big strength differential. And I think with the ground game, you know, I, I kind of want to see what Israel looks like when he has to fight on the ground for a while and then come back up to his feet. And if he can really kind of navigate those waters, you know, Gastelum didn't really force him to the ground uh, for, for any uh 
for any significant length of time in that fight. You know, a, a lot of the work was being done with Gaston with the striking and, and really just trying to, to land a big left hand. So, yeah, he hasn't had to really wrestle a whole lot. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm still I'm still, you know, curious about the skill set and what it really looks like as a full mixed martial arts type of game, you know. Well, if the next opponent is what the pay-per-view would suggest, probably not going to be much of a wrestling match either with Paulo Costa, who yeah. who likes to stand and trade. Um, he's undefeated. He definitely wants the fight. Uh, we saw Adesanya, you know, become a member of D-Generation X tonight <laughs> inside the Octagon. Uh, size that matchup a little bit for me. What do you think about Adesanya and, and Costa? Um, man, that's a great fight. Yeah, I think uh, there, there are some similarities i would say if, if you between yoel and, and costa in terms of the strength right. that uh problems that he, he's going to pose but he doesn't use it in, in the grappling sense right. really you know he does he uses it for really more of, of the body work and, yeah. and 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 adjusting from from the body to the head he, he really loves hooks as opposed to going straight down the middle um I, I still kind of feel like it favors Israel a bit, though, because of the striking matchup. I think that that same reach differential is going to exist with pretty much every everybody in the middleweight division. I think he, he's, what, an 80-inch reach? So I, I think it's uh, that that's always going to pose a problem. But I think the way Costa likes to really rush into the fire and really bring the fight on somebody that has that kind of range, I think that that poses a big problem for him. And I think if Israel can really kind of be smart, stay on the outside like like he was tonight. If you look tonight, he did a lot of his work like going backwards. You know, the punch that I think ultimately ended the fight, he threw. Yeah, well, know, well both both of them. The yeah. the knockdown with the right hook was leaning backwards, and then both hooks that he landed tonight, he was he was leaning backwards, like ev- evading defensively. So, you know, that's going to be a big uh, that's going to be a big issue for for Costa to be able to kind of get through that reach and and kind of land his own shots that he wants. So I think it's a tough matchup for him. You know, if if I had to pick, I would I would pick Israel in that matchup. One thing that I do worry a little bit about Adesanya was it happened a couple times tonight. Um, he survived, but he did get hit a few times by Whitaker. He also got hit a few times in the latter part of the uh, the Anderson Silva fight. Um, you know. Paulo Costa is a heavy hitter. I don't know if he would necessarily be able to land the volume that would be required to, to stop Adesanya because Adesanya's game, like, it's just a little more technical, it's a little more, mm-hmm. um, you know, in and out where, where Costa, I think, would have to really be uh, aggressive and make his, his shots count. I, I, do, do you see Adesanya and his propensity to being hit uh, a weakness at all? Well, I think... I think the the way he, he's 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 decided to work his defense, like kind of going backwards like that, it does kind of concern me. I mean, hey, he got it done tonight, you know. Yeah. But like, and he looked good doing it. But it you always see that chin in the air, though. Yeah, right? it kind of makes it makes me kind of like wince every time, you know, because it's like it looks like I'm not gonna say it's a habit, but because because I do think there's a there's a method to it, the way he he kind of draws people in with it and then kind of leans back. But it's definitely there, and you still if, have to have long arms though to hit it because it's it's high, you know, yeah. it's high and out there still. Yeah, and you know, Whitaker tried a lot with like with lunging in, uh, trying to utilize his lead hand a lot, lunging in with with the hooks, and and he wasn't able to really get it. You know, Costa's gonna, I feel like, is gonna do the same thing, and and there's always a chance that that he could possibly land that shot. You know, is Israel knows that though. 
and uh, you know, I, I'm you know him and his team are on top of that. But yeah, it it, it you know it, that could be one of those things, right, where a crazy moment happens and it's like you know you see him get knocked down. It's like well. <laughs> you know, it was there. It was right. there the whole time. It's like yeah. we, we, we've seen things like ha- that happen in MMA before, for sure. How about the pomp and circumstance of the evening? 60,000 people inside Marvel Stadium. When you see that, you see the entrance for you know both men. Whitaker's was exciting in a different way. It was the more traditional, you know, walk in from the parking lot and mm-hmm. take that, you know, long stroll and have the, the fans sort of cheer you on and absorb you as you walk in but like with with Adesanya I mean we were talking about Genki Sudo it was a throwback to, yeah yeah you know some some pageantry it was a big night for the UFC it wasn't a card that's going to be remembered for its stacked you know talent there were a lot of names that maybe you weren't familiar with I mean mm-hmm. the main event or the main card you know uh starting fight was between two guys who had never fought in the UFC before you don't yeah. hear that generally and quote unquote one of the biggest cards of the year but from you know a historical sense more people than any other time before in one building to see the UFC what did you think of tonight's proceedings um in in what way and for, like from the, the fact that like pro- i mean like like i said like we we had Adesanya having his like long entrance okay. was a long walk yeah, yeah. with dancing there was like a, a lot of graphics that we'd never really seen before yeah yeah it, it, it felt it felt i mean it felt different for sure yeah i mean i think the more that they can do to to change up the the same old kind of just same old thing, you know, the same, I don't want to see this, they're already wearing uniforms, man, right. I don't want to see the same walkouts and the same uniforms, like, like, this is, this was always my problem with the Reebok deal, it's like, the more individ, individuality that you can bring to the, to the game, it makes it more exciting, it makes it feel like, uh, like, like, more special, like, you saw it even tonight with the promos for Masvidal Diaz, like, they felt more, like, targeted towards those specific characters, you right. know, and that's, that's what we need more of that with Masvidal and Diaz. It's, it's more about the fighters than it is about the brand. You know, I, yeah, I see the, yeah. the, the promo tonight and in my head that sort of uh, logo uh, where it says Masvidal versus Diaz in the font of a parental advisory. Mm-hmm. That sticks out to me more than the UFC logo. I don't even know if there's a UFC yeah. logo on the screen right. for that. You know what I yeah. mean? I'm sure there is. The UFC is smart about branding, but um Tonight was interesting for me because watching it and watching, you know, basically half the talent be from either New Zealand or Australia, it felt a, a lot like when the UFC was starting to go down to Brazil and mm-hmm. do a lot of Brazilian shows. And it was almost like a, a regional show in the sense that, you know, the, the whole entire, you know, blue card's going to be or the blue side of the fight card's going to be international and the mm-hmm. red card is going to be uh, Brazil and Tonight we had that, but it was in front of sixty thousand people. It was it, mm-hmm. it's it's interesting to see that the UFC in a place where it's it's rabid can put on essentially a regional show uh, with with you know a title fight and, mm-hmm. and and still draw that card or still draw that that yeah. number of people. Whether or not they were all paid, whether or not it was papered, whatever. The mm-hmm. fact is, sixty thousand people packed a stadium the UFC hasn't done many stadium shows yeah and, and I like that I I've you know I've always been vocal I want to see more of that like I want it to feel bigger like you mentioned the graphics like when you see that kind of graphic with that backdrop of all those people in a giant stadium it just feels bigger yeah you know and and I think you need more of that um 
you know, you see like Connor's talking about trying to get the stadium. It's like, you know, I feel like they got to do a stadium with that guy. Like, and I think it shows also the confidence they have in a guy like Israel to be able to book somebody like him in a title fight in a with a stadium type, type right. setting with with that many people. I think it shows like a big vote of confidence. Like we we think that even with the card being eh, so so, like we think if we book this guy in a good fight with a good opponent, like we think that he can sell it out. So I think it was a big vote of confidence for him. What about stateside, though? Israel Adesanya, now the UFC middleweight champion. The UFC uh, pulls a huge gate, you know, tonight numbers-wise. Um, is Israel Adesanya a bigger star in the U.S. today than he was yesterday? Um, I don't know. I don't know, I mean, I don't know yet. We, you know? we see all these people on, on TV in the stadium – that doesn't mean anything for the pay-per-view buy. Yeah. I don't know what this pay-per-view does buy-wise, especially when mm-hmm. now we're in a time where I think more than ever fans will know that a super fight is coming up like we have with Masvidal and Diaz, and mm-hmm. they'll go, well, I'm just going to wait until November. I'm not going to buy this one. i got other things to do. Summer's wrapping up. Yeah, you know, yeah. I enjoy maybe some nice weather in my area before I'm forced to sit inside every Saturday night. Mm-hmm. I have no idea where the buy rate would be on this. I don't even know where buy rates are anymore right. with the new ESPN Plus deal. But I, I just I struggle to kind of wrap my head around whether or not Israel Adesanya is what the UFC you know wants. Like when Chris Weidman was the champion, or uh, Anderson Silva. You know, even even Anderson, not you know a guy who didn't speak English for a very long time. Eventually, he really got over with the fans. Adesanya is not a guy that I hear brought up by casual fans i hear Mm -hmm. you know mma people talking about israel adesanya but i mean the average layman who's going to go to the bar on a saturday night uh isn't going to be like hey you showing the ufc i really want to see israel adesanya well i think it's just getting started for him though really you know he's still a young fighter and he's gotten there in what two years so it's like he hadn't been he hadn't really been like exposed, I think, like to like to the masses, really. You How know? do they market him? Do you, I mean, what would you I, do? man? I, I think you you gotta you gotta tap into to his. He has a very unique like swag to him, right? right? Like like I and I think especially with young people, I think that they would if they if they get more exposure to him, I think that they would really gravitate to a guy like that. Man, he's he's young, he's good looking, he's confident. You know, his style is very flashy. In itself, he can dance on the walkout. You know, right. like like when they see when they see him dancing on the walkout, I think that's going to shoot that sticks out big yeah. time. You know, I mean, that'll definitely be uh, shown the next time he fights with like face the pain in the background. You know, <laughs> like they'll, they'll show him fighting. I don't know that that's the song to do it to, but well, yeah. But I mean, that, that's that's what they show clips like that. Yeah, you know, at the front end of the show, and you know, rip him in two pieces because <laughs> listen to that song for twenty years. Um, how huge would it be though if they actually got a deal with Marvel, where they were able to like just even put out like a one yeah. issue comic book with that man? Yeah, I mean that's the guy to do it with, right? You know, that's the guy to do. It. When you watch him fight, man, t- he looks like he does have superpowers. Like yeah. the way he can the the way he can uh, kind of manipulate you without even really throwing anything. On top of that, he's got. Just amazing speed, man. Right. Like, he can kick so quickly, so hard. You know, he's got amazing accuracy. It's just, like, he can definitely do some things that other guys can't do. And, and he, like I said before, he's got a flash to him. Like, I think it's, I really think it's just getting started for him. Like, he's going to be a big deal. 
And for wherever. good reason. Yeah. For good reason. I mean, tonight was was really fantastic for him. Uh, he definitely turned the stadium, uh, I think, on its head because Whitaker got the louder pop of the two mm -hmm. uh, on the walkouts. And, uh, you know, they were all cheering for Israel mm -hmm. as he uh, and, walked out of the audience. And who knows what, what the next walkout's going to be. Right. You know, like yeah. like he could keep going with this and it could get, like like this is the beginning. It could get bigger and it could get bigger. And eventually people gravitate to him and, and it it takes on a whole life of its own and kind of evolves into its own thing. And, you know, going back to the individual individuality. Right. Like like that's what you need more of. Like that's how you're going to how you're going to create stars. It's not going to be with the same old boring ass promo with the same old boring ass walkouts and the same old boring ass uniform. Yeah, individuality, like, man. Right. And like, I, like, I like the dancing so much better than you know, like the the live music angle that we've seen a few times. Yeah, DC. yeah. I think like Aaron Lewis sang um, Chad Mendez out, and mm -hmm. then Sinead O'Connor was there for <laughs> for Conor McGregor. And I mean, they, they I, didn't get crazy with it either. No. Right. It was like yeah. it was it was like very choreographed. It was very like succinct, and it was like boom. Right. You know, like it, it, I mean, that's very common in boxing. You know, you yeah. see musical acts you know not, not so much bands but you know you'll see rappers and yeah you know, out there and, and it's an it's another element to the show that i like a lot i mean i don't, I don't think we need lasers and smoke machines in the ramp per se like mm -hmm. we did back in you know the ufc 30s and 40s. i don't know man i like that i liked it too but i'm saying if you if you want that space if you don't want to give away you know yeah. hundreds of dollars yeah in floor seats I, do this. Let this happen. Like I was in attendance for WrestleMania 28, mm -hmm. and I just gotta say, man, like like being there, it was like, man, if 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 they could do this, but when they get to the ring, they actually fight. Right. Like, man, for me as a sure. fan, I was like, this would be so cool. Cause like the, being in uh, what was it back then, Sun Life Stadium, it was like. 80,000 strong and it's just like it felt like that's the place where you do that right. you know like when, when it's in a massive stadium like that like it that felt cool to me but <laughs> we still haven't had a UFC in a stadium here in the states we had it in Toronto which is in Canada obviously mm -hmm. international show why do you think that is I don't think there's the draw I don't, I don't think that for whatever reason stateside we've been able to have a fight that big the only one that I actually thought would have been that big at a time where a stadium was uh, a possibility would have been uh, a fight between Anderson Silva and George St. Pierre. Yeah. Um, I think that was really during, you know, the boom period mm -hmm. of mixed martial arts in, in North America. And I think, you know, it subsided a little bit. We're on the, we're on the downside of that spike. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know. I think you could probably do a stadium here with the right fight for Conor McGregor. Conor would have to win a couple more fights. I think yeah. to really, make that all that intriguing you could do it with connor and a, a, a solid you know fight as the co-main event with you know a bigger main event i think but i i don't know i think i feel like connor's the answer because people still say connor 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 maybe yeah. you could have done a stadium with ronda but i don't feel like ronda ever had that perfect uh, opponent necessarily yeah. to like like Cy if they could have gotten cyborg right. and ronda at the right time sure like i think that that probably would have been the fight to do it I but mean, had had ronda been able to like come back and holly had been able to defend her title and you have that rematch yeah yeah you know, that could have right. been it but i still feel like i mean sports are about rivalries mm -hmm. right and even if you're the biggest draw if you don't have someone to face where it's it's 
going to go, oh my goodness, is this really going to be a matchup? Even if you are the biggest draw, people don't show up in the tens of thousands, mm-hmm. you know, 20, 30, 40,000 people to see a match that, you know, isn't, isn't intriguing. And I don't know. I just, man, I just, I heard the attendance for the Atlanta United the other day and it just blew me away, man. Like, like I'm hearing that they're averaging like 50,000 people are yeah, showing I mean, up to the Mercedes Dome. It's like, man, that's, that's, like if, <laughs> like that's, ins- that's insane to me, right? It's like, like, I just think that with the right fight, man, you, you could pull it off somewhere in Cowboy Stadium, you know, like that's sta- I, I would that's like the premier stadium. Right? Yeah, like, I think so. I mean, I can't even, I mean, is there even a newer NFL stadium than that? I think the uh, Cowboys Miami has a newer one, right? No, Miami renovated. So oh, they're the, they're hard rock stadium uh-huh. now, but they, they didn't completely redo it. They, oh, okay. they, they renovated Sun Life. And, was and, that, was that like, uh, that's Dolphin Stadium? Yeah, that's where they the put Dolphins like a roof play. on it, or is there not a roof on it? No, there's no roof on uh, it. Okay. They just they just they completely redid the way the the seating is. It's like okay. more like upward. Got it. So that people can see over it a little better. Okay. Um, yeah. So I think Cowboy Stadium is uh, pro- well, maybe in Minnesota the the Viking Stadium might be newer. Yeah, yeah I think Viking it's Stadium's newer, more. but I I Minnesota's I, that not going to be that place. I mean, yeah, <laughs> they, they could. They couldn't sell out an 18,000-seat Target Center with Brock Lesnar on the card. Yeah. So, yeah, that's not going to be the place. And and did it, when the new Minnesota Stadium opened up, I still didn't feel like the buzz of, like, how nice. Like, I heard everybody wowing, like, when they were in week one. Yeah. When, when, yeah. when people were coming in for the Cowboys Stadium, like, how amazing the there's stadium no, was. There's no charm to the Minnesota Stadium where, I mean, yeah. the Cowboys Stadium was talked about for months just because I was – like a gigantic television in the middle yeah. of it. You know what I mean? The so biggest I mean, HD TV right. like ever yeah. created. <laughs> Last little sidetrack before we move on. Um, you mentioned HD. We were talking tonight with all the sort of high def graphics. We never got a pride fighting championship shot in HD. That, that blows my oh. mind. That pride. Oh. I mean, it, it, first off, it blows my mind that pride has been gone for 12 years. Like it's yeah. been gone longer than it was around. Don't say that. I know. I hate that. <laughs> but beyond that, like, Think about what Pride really missed in the way of technology. It was always at the cutting edge of broadcasting, you know, from its pomp and circumstance and, and, and lasers and, and ramps and shows and, like, everything. Like, you, mm-hmm. you definitely knew it was Japanese MMA and, and a Pride show with the way that they did it. But we missed so much with modern technology and how yeah. they could have looked in crystal clear, you know, 4K. Yeah. Oh, man. I need it. <laughs> How do we do it? I don't know. I don't <laughs> How do we go back and change the video? Or you I don't know. think I don't think we can. Oh God! But uh, I don't know. Maybe they want to sell us the the trademark. I don't know. No, probably not. That hurts. Let's, I'm, uh, I'm, go, I'm going quiet just sorry. thinking about it. Ugh. Let's uh, let's talk about the uh, the co-main event. We saw Dan Hooker get the unanimous decision over Ray Janal, Ally Quinta, who was definitely game in this fight. But it was clear that this was not going to be his night, probably at about 90 seconds in when he ate three or four really hard uh, kicks to his lead leg. Um, He had to go southpaw, essentially stood southpaw the rest of the fight. And, uh, I mean, credit to Al. He was still throwing decently from southpaw. He wasn't Mm -hmm. able to get close, though. He wasn't able to throw with any real power uh, and land on Dan Hooker the way that he wanted to. Um I was really impressed with Dan Hooker and his uh, ability to basically shut down 
Al Iaquinta's offense from the word go, and Al just never really recovered. Yeah, I mean, I've been a, I've been really impressed with Den Hooker ever. I got on the train when uh, with the Dorino win, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is looking really good by the way right now because uh, he's moved up to Welter and looked great um, recently. Got a, got a win over Gunnar Nelson the other day, but um, with Hooker, man, I think just the the length that he has. He you know he knows how to use it. Like I was saying to you guys earlier, like he 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 knows he's a long sword and he fights like a long sword, and he's really committed to that style, and it it really pays off for him. And I just man, Al was super game. Let's but get technical for a second. You mentioned he he knows he's a long sword and fights like that. I've seen a lot of fighters not utilize their reach properly. Right. And you're a fighter that is normally taller than most of the people that that you face. Talk about that a little bit because I'm curious why is it that some fighters have, you know, sometimes four to eight inches on their opponent and they, they don't sit down on their punches the right way. They don't utilize that reach. Like what is it about certain people? Well, I think, well, I know this because I was that guy as well. <laughs> so I think when you, when you're learning, when you're learning in a group environment, as a lot of these big, gyms are and big big MMA gyms are I think you're taught a certain way and nobody like really kind of comes and takes you to the side and be like and says like you know you got a different do it differently than them right you know it's because it, it's all teach one way right it's like if you're I mean I had a buddy of mine that took a kickboxing class and he was in it for over a year before he realized oh I'm actually a southpaw but everything was taught orthodox. Yeah. You know, and he never never traded before. So. Um, it, here, like, here's one small example. You know, you know from a technical standpoint, when you're learning the fundamentals, like, a lot, a lot of them are very universal. But one, for example, is like your hands. Like, you want to keep your hands up, right? You hear that all the time. Keep your hands up. You, you want to keep your hands close to your face. And that's kind of how, how you're taught. But... The longer I got in my career, the more I've seen the longer guys keep their hands further from their face. They're, they're really a lot closer to their opponent than just here. You know, like if you're tall, you really you shouldn't you shouldn't be like Tyson. Right. You shouldn't have your hands like like right. like stapled to your ears, you know, because r- what are you doing? You're giving away that length to your to your opponent right. and you're not really like you're not really controlling that distance between you two. If your hands are really close to your feet, really the only thing that is managing your distance now is your feet. Right. Instead of being able to like use your hand kind of like a barometer, parry, return, a lot, a lot of that different stuff. So that's like a small example of like, like, like you see everybody taught, being taught to like use your hands, keep your hands up. It's like, well, for you, you might need to do it a little differently. And that goes like the opposite way with a short, a really short guy. A really short guy should not be kind of keeping his hands out, right. especially going up against a guy that's like Dan Hooker, because he's giving that reach away with his hands. He should be more like Tyson, hands tight to the hands tight, like being able to bob and weave, so you can really deliver that power. So that's like a small example, but uh, Dan does it really well. You know, he uses his jab really well. Not everything's not like a hundred percent, but he's also not hundred percent volume either. He kind of mixes up the pace of his shots. And uh, his kicks are really good. He he does standing knees very good. You don't see him like bouncing around a lot. He's not like Dominic Cruz, right? You know what I mean. He's not like shifting his stances and moving around. He's very stationary, 
and he uses that like to advantage. I know he trains in Thailand, and that's how a lot of the Thais fight. And he takes the center, and he and he doesn't really move a lot like that. And that's kind of the style that he uses, and it's it's worked really really great for him. And I think you know he had that f- tough fight with Barboza. I think he was really he didn't have the the height advantage in that. I think he may have had the height advantage, but they were closer. Mm. You know, so I think being closer to a guy that was taller but also a lot faster, I think that was really the difference in that fight. Um, you know, along with some of the technique. But I think he learned a lot from that fight. He, sh- he showed some good things, some bad things, covered him up, and he's moved on. And I think he looks really good, man. He's going to be a force in that division. I don't know if he, get, if he gets by Poirier, yeah. but uh, that was the call out. He called a shot. I loved it. Right. You know, you know he, didn't, he didn't mince words. He didn't like play around with John Anik or anything. He said what he needed to say called a shot and walked out of the cage and man i think that's how it should be done and i i would i would pay money to see that fight that's a crazy fight you know what's funny i was talking to uh your brother cole about this not long ago when we last called the fight and we were talking about how the ufc has basically for a long time ingrained up-and-coming fighters to go who do you want well whatever the ufc wants whatever the ufc wants yeah. i'll go out there and fight him when you hear someone calls someone out, more often than not, the UFC accommodates their call out. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, the person that they call out, if they don't have a fight, like, this is a sport of ego. Yeah. When you are called to the carpet, more often than not, as long as you're not you know, in the top five looking at a guy who's outside the top 15, people go, oh, you're calling me out? Let's go. Let's fight. I like what Dan Hooker's doing. He's mm-hmm. calling people out. This is a, a significant step up for him, but he just beat the sixth best guy according to the UFC's rankings. Right. I mean, does that warrant a fight with Dustin Poirier? I'm not exactly sure, but I know Dustin Poirier doesn't have a fight lined up, and what's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah. The UFC says no. Yeah. You know, or Dustin sits out long enough to where they have to make a different fight for you. Nothing bad can come from asking for something yeah especially when you want people to care about you and what better way to get people to care about you in mma you make noise well you gotta it it gives them it gives them a story right like there's there's nothing harder to promote than than two guys who are just like well i just do you know i'm so happy to be here so happy to fight for you i'll fight whoever the ufc wants blah 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 like like you're making them do more work to promote something, to create something, to create an angle. You, when when you call your shot, you create your own angle, right? And you, I think the UFC marketing part is like, oh, thank God, <laughs> oh God, we we can we we have some we have somewhere where we can steer the ship. You know? Well, I think the UFC's marketing department largely does need direction by its fighters. Yeah, I mean. A lot of people get on the UFC for their ability or inability to create stars. You, you're only as, as good, I think, in fight sport as the ingredients that you're working with. And a lot of people, we don't get to know who they are or what they're about until they start to come out of their shell. And yeah. some people have had 15 UFC fight careers before they actually start to get on their soapbox and mm-hmm. command attention. And... Uh, I'm well, not, not really you're not really trained to do that though you know well, that, that's something that is kind of like you either got it or you don't right really right. you know like nobody really kind of you know there's there's no jim ross in the back to tell you how to like cut a promo unless you're like, in south florida yeah <laughs> or 
or you know what I mean? Like there's nobody who's like steering the ship or like showing you the ropes on that end. It's right. all on the other end. It's all on like the fighting side, the competition yeah. side. I mean, that's the thing too. It's twofold. You have to say the right thing in the mic and then you have to back it up. Right. And I mean, the biggest thing you mentioned, Jim Ross, you get to control the outcome in professional wrestling. You don't get to control it in MMA, which makes the Conor McGregor's of the world, the Colby Covington's of the world look so good at the end of the day, because mm -hmm. for the most part, they say something that is, you know, sort of shocking and, you know, titillating. And then they go out there and they win their fights. And it's like, yeah. OK, well, I guess you're right. I guess we have to give you what you want because you say, you know, you talk the talk, you walk the walk. And um, I mean, I feel like with with as much MMA as we have now, if you say some outlandish things and you fail, as long as it's not too crazy, yeah. people are going to forget about it before yeah. your next fight. Yeah. You know, no, you're so right with that. Oh, man, people are, like, afraid to, like, you know, rock the boat because right. I don't want to get, right. you know. Man, like, look at Ben Askren. You know, that guy is right. immortalized forever. Sure, sure. But, and what's he doing right now? He's selling a fight with Damian Maia. Yeah, he's – if you would have told me that he would, he would fight before George, oh, man. Right. <laughs> That's yeah. wild. But, you know, it's like dust himself off. He's like, so what? It's like if you – forget it for a second – about how he how he lost his last right. fight. I know it's tough, <laughs> but for forget. Well, a I think it's actually quite easy for him to forget how he lost his <laughs> yeah. last fight. He says he doesn't remember it. But the way he was the way he was navigating his own career was was good. Right. Like he was he was creating the kind of buzz that he wanted. He was calling out all the names that he wanted, even yeah. though he got a name that he didn't call out. Right. But he got a name that he called out the next fight. Yep. And he was in con really he looked like he was in control of his own career because he was saying everything. Cool. And I don't think that would have happened if he would have just came into the UFC and been quiet. Like there's no absolutely reason to not. Do that. No, and I, I mean it didn't really happen for him in Bellator. You know what yeah. I mean? Like he wasn't making the noise in Bellator at first. I mean no. he really didn't start making a lot of noise until he went to one. Right. And I mean, that's when it was like okay, you know Ben Askren's now fighting in Asia call out the UFC for not signing you, you know, make, mm -hmm. make the, that kind of noise. Um, I think, that, I think the biggest difference too, is we talk about the maturity of a fighter, not only in the cage, but outside uh, of the cage, Ben Askren is in the UFC for one person or for one reason. And that reason is to make money. Like, let's not, let's not, you know, think that Ben Askren's there just to only like prove that he's the best fighter in the world. Like Ben has always been, you know, focused on, making a life for himself and, and, you know, getting what he feels is his. And that's not only recognition in the sport, but that's money. And I think, you know, that motivation has allowed him to come off of one of the toughest defeats in UFC history and, you know, dust himself off and, and get right back to it. Um, let's talk about Ally Quinta for a brief moment because he's lost three of his last five. Now, granted, the names that have beaten him pretty good, uh, Habib Nurmagomedov, uh, Donald Cerrone, who was, you know, on a on a renaissance run in his career at the time. And and now Dan Hooker, when you look at I Quinta, his last uh, two wins in that run were Diego Sanchez and, and Kevin Lee. Um, the Diego fight was his first fight in and after two years of not really agreeing with the UFC and, and he had to take some time off. You know, mm -hmm. that's when he became the realtor. Um, do you think that, do you think that was, was maybe, a, a bad choice for Al? Because I mean, he was, he was surging in the UFC. He was starting to, to get some recognition. You know, 
I, I don't know. I mean, you you're better to speak of this than I am, but I feel like progression wise, you need to be active. You need to be fighting to to get better. I mean, after the two year layoff, he's he's you know three and two, um, or two and three rather. Like, do, do you think that stunted his growth? That's that's a hard question to really answer because you one you're right in that when you're training for a fight there are really big jumps in your development no question but at the same time with time off it's, it's all depends on how you use it you can take massive jumps in your growth if you just have some time off to not really worry about like the fire that's that's chasing you of, a, of an mma fight kind of always looming mm. um to be able to take your time and without any kind of stress, without any kind of impending date, to really just work on your craft, that can be really beneficial too. I think, you know, Nate Diaz looked better to me three years off. That's true. So that guy's been training for a fight for like every freaking month since he was 18 years old. Right. You know, and like I know that kind of stress personally. I know that kind of stress with him. You know, he, he would always be talking about it, how just like – you know, fight, 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 fight. How it kind of just like messes with your brain a little right. bit mentally. Not You're always in fight mode. Yeah. I mean, it messes with your head. Yeah. Like, and messes with your body. You're all, you're constantly cutting weight. So you're like, w one funny thing with him is I know he was lighter when he moved up to welter that first time mm -hmm. than he was when he was fighting a lightweight because he was constantly going up and down with his weight. It's right. like when you do that to your body, like I don't think your thyroid really agrees with that. And it's like, you're, you get a chance to kind of like settle down and, and kind of normalize things. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think, you know, to, to your point, did he stun his growth a little bit? I'm not really sure. So, you know, Dominic Cruz doesn't believe in ring rest. I don't believe that you have to have a fight constantly to really get better. I think it, it's, it's really how, how you use that time off and how you direct that energy. Sure. Looking at I Quinta, I mean, it's not like it's the end of the road for the man. I mentioned his his uh, losses recently. I mean, one of them is Habib Nurmagomedov. You know, the mm -hmm. the the best division or the best in the division right now. Um, I mean, he gave and he, all was you his yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I I don't want to relegate Al, but until he goes on a sort of streak where he picks up some wins, I feel like he's in this position now to sort of be like a, a litmus test for up and coming fighters. Like he was mm -hmm. tonight for a Dan hooker. Like, is he, is he this guy that sort of hovers around the top 10? And if you beat ally Quinta, y you break into that, you know, ranking. It could be, um, you know, personally, I think, I think he needs to probably direct some of his energy towards his wrestling. You know, I think, he he had he had that moment in this fight tonight where you he, you could clearly see that the striking wasn't going to be the way that it got right. done, you know, and he had a couple good shots that he got in on, you know. Uh, Daniel Cormier con commented on on it tonight, the way he wrapped up the the single and he kind of like popped underneath, raised it up, you know, went to the double. He was he was close, you know. He he had a he had some chain wrestling going on there, you know. He didn't get the finishes. But I think with Al, like the difference in that in this fight was, be, he got he had the entries, he didn't have the finishes. I think if he can kind of like add that next element to his to his game with some of the wrestling, where it's like I know he he likes to strike first, and I, going out to all his fights, really that's what he likes to do most. Like first is is really strike, 
but I think uh, adding adding some more wrestling w- would benefit his game to make him more of a threat in bo- both ways. You know what I mean? I'm looking at uh, the odds over here a little bit because I wanted to talk about one of the bigger upsets of the evening. Uh, Tai Tuivasa uh, ends oh, up before before oh, we before we move on. Yes. I was I was looking at uh, Dustin uh-huh. and he said that he's chilling out and that uh, he's trying he's looking for Connor next and he's he wants something higher. So I, he doesn't look to me like like uh, Dan Hooker interests him right now. And I, I mean I can't blame Dustin Poirier. He's on the short list to fight Connor McGregor if Connor McGregor were to come back. And mm-hmm. still, even though Connor's not at the height that he once was, you're gonna make a lot of money when you fight Connor McGregor. Yeah. And no offense to Dan Hooker, but if Connor McGregor is a possibility, get in line, my friend. Yeah. yeah. And it, but man, I, I personally I don't know that he's the front runner though. I know he's probably in the mix. I, I, I think it's going to be the winner of Nate and, and me too. And yeah, I George. agree. I think that there's no question. He, he tweeted the other day. He's like, "When's that interim BMF title? I mean, fight going on? You know?" So let, let's I, be I honest think that's here. The, let's that's be honest. Right the now, going to get that fight. Right now, that fight belongs to Nate Diaz. Yeah, but if Masvidal beats him, it's Masvidal's it, fight. Absolutely. I mean, that's really to me, what, like the BMF title or whatever is on the line and also a showdown with, with Conor McGregor. It yeah. makes the most sense. Yeah. Like I, I don't know a scenario where someone else would make more sense. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I don't foresee Gagey jumping over. I don't see Dustin jumping over. I, I agree with you. We're on the same page. Yeah. hundred percent. Big upset tonight. Tai to Ivasa comes up short to Sergey Spivak. When you look at the odds, it's not often a plus 400 dog, Caches, but the caveat is heavyweight. <laughs> Heavyweights, baby. Heavyweight MMA. <laughs> oh man, uh, Tuivasa had some stuff going for him tonight, but ultimately uh, he he wilted, he faded. Yeah, I mean the the fight hit the floor and an arm triangle that didn't even look like it was really executed very well it was, is what ended it. You know, put his lights out. At yeah, least. That's for what it like for a second. Yeah, I mean referee <laughs> saves him. I don't know. I mean. Some things are never going to change in MMA, and I think uh, the divisional ranking between 7 and 20, all those numbers pretty much mean the same thing. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're 7 or if you're 19. Yeah. It's just that's heavyweight <laughs> MMA. You know what I mean? It's a division for the entire time that it's existed in modern-day MMA. Like, the top five pretty elite-level fighters. Mm-hmm. Five may be pushing it. You know, yeah, it's like yeah. one through four, you know, <laughs> there've been times where it's been one through three. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I mean, who are we even talking about at heavyweight right now? Uh, Stipe, Stipe, DC, I mean, and, 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 and people Those are, are the real, and, and we don't even know if Daniel Cormier is really going to fight. Him, yeah. You know, you don't yeah. know, yeah. but, but we do know that he's gone yeah. after his next fight. Yeah. So yeah. then it, now it's down to really two. Right. Yeah. And after that, right. who's, right. who's knocking on the door? I feel like Ngannou's knocked out the guys who were all knocking on the door. I mean, Derek Lewis was making a bunch of noise, and this dude would go out for six weeks at a time because he would tweak his back. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, heavyweight, it's just— Man, it's, I, th- I think Derek Lewis has already, like, gone as far as he w- could possibly go. No, I agree I mean, with you. I agree with you. It's not a shot at no, him. No, no, no. I, I think agree. I think he I mean, went for—I think he's actually gone—he's taken the, his skill set— Further than anybody right. I've ever really seen. Sure, it absolutely. blew my mind. 100%. But that's, that's what I'm saying. This is the only division where you can earn a title fight 
with a completely shot back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. And then, and also too, like one of the narratives uh, around uh, another top five heavyweight is Junior Dos Santos. And we're talking about how it was good he didn't take a lot of damage in his last fight with Francis Ngo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay. I mean, that's, it, it's, it's interesting. You know, it's just, it's a division where, I mean, Andre Arlovsky is still under UFC Arlovsky's coming back. I mean, 2019. This, what, this, is he fighting at MSG? Uh, I think so. He's got a fight coming up. Or is it Singapore, maybe? It, He's got one two, coming up. One of the two. I mean, this man fought at UFC 28. Yeah, that's wild. You know who else was in the UFC at UFC 28? Bruce Buffer. <laughs> Joe Rogan. That's it. Sean Shelby was doing something. That's, that's wild. I don't even know if Shelby was doing something. Probably around that time. But yeah, like... So this is Jen, Jen's Pulver era, isn't it? Yeah, Absolutely. Arlovsky. I think I think was U- UFC 28 might have been Jens Pulver versus John Lewis. Okay. I think I don't know. Go Wikipedia. Left hand from Doom. No that kidding. Fight. No kidding. That was that was something. Um, that wasn't as shocking as Diego Lima earning a split decision win tonight. Wow. I mean, John Anik said that the dissenting judge had to go to the bathroom or something For during good the fight. Reason. Which, I mean, I understand. Sometimes when, you know, uh, a judge can lean a different direction when it's somewhat of a clear-cut fight, but this was a clear-cut fight. I have no idea how anyone goes 29-28 in in this bat against Lima. Ten-point must system, baby. Let's not get into that discussion. (laughs) I'd like to go to bed this evening, but, yeah, I don't know. Um yeah, that was that was clear. It was it was clear today. Yeah, Lima won that fight. Yeah, um, I don't know. I I kind of feel like I feel like we should be talking about a lot more. We don't have the ability to take phones tonight, but for as big of a night as it was, a new UFC champion, sixty thousand people in a stadium, mm-hmm. it drops off real quick. It from does. There. It drops really off does. real real quick. Uh, Megan Anderson with a win tonight. A triangle choke for her. Jake Matthews victorious. I mean, Holly um, Holm was supposed to be kind of that next right fight that uh, that that we would talk about. You know. Yeah, and uh, I guess she had a a ligament uh, injury um, in her hand. I think it was. Uh, she's supposed to take on uh, Raquel Pennington uh, in a rematch of what was Holly Holm's UFC debut, which was a really competitive fight back yeah. in 2015. Um, so, I'm interested in seeing that fight. And yeah. it would have made sense. It, w- it was, I mean, Holly Holm is not from Australia, but it would have been a homecoming in a way for her mm-hmm. to return to the same building that she, you know, set the UFC's record uh, in attendance and, and fighting Ronda Rousey and, you know, sort of, you know, having that career defining moment. Uh, it was not to be. Um, but the Aussies, they sure do love their MMA. Like it, it was definitely a raucous crowd, a loud crowd, and um, they got what they paid for. So. Yeah. I mean, the 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 last two fights I thought were good, but you're right the 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 card did drop off pretty quickly. I don't know if if the Holly fight could have really even saved that, nah. but probably not. Um, but yeah, I, I think you know the, this is kind of what they do now, right? They 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 kind of anchor the these big big shows with with a strong kind of headliner co-headliner and then the rest they kind of like i really want to get into the conversation we were having earlier in the night 
because I mean, you and I have talked about a little bit about the class system in the past, like where we could have multiple classes. You, you're an A class UFC fighter, B class UFC fighter. Mm -hmm. You know, different factors and considerations with maybe you know length of rounds or length of fights and whatnot. Um, I've been beating this drum for a while. I think that the UFC, in an effort to make pay per views more exciting for fans should cut their roster by 30-40%. Don't leave them out in the cold. Don't let them go to Bellator, but have them go over to this promotion that they could bring back with the Blue Cage. Keep it Fight Pass exclusive. Every Wednesday night, watch the WEC on UFC Fight Pass and watch these fighters try to earn their way to you know the, the big octagon, if you mm -hmm. will. I, I think that's the way to go. If you're able to reduce the number of fights you're able to keep the fights that you are putting on intriguing. And I think at this point, they are beholden to, you know, programming obligations for ESPN um, and Very ESPN Plus. So. But th there's a way they can do it. Even if you I, – I, I like the idea of the WEC. If you have to call it the UFC, UFC Max, I don't know. I mean, that's that's an old K1 shout-out to lighter that, weight. But, yeah, but you, something, something needs to be done to where you can – you need to make, I mean, two guys made their UFC debuts tonight in a main card opener. Yeah. I mean, I understand it's a different time, but that, that, that doesn't happen three years ago, two years ago. That doesn't happen. Yeah. That's uh, I, there's no real, real excuse for that. I think the but there's intrigue though, about lower level UFC fights in the sense of the contender series, people tune right. in for that. People are hyped yeah. about that. Yeah. I don't know why you can't mimic that with an entire promotion. Yeah, well, I think what that really comes down to is, is money, right? They, they have contracts to be fulfilled. They have shows to be fulfilled. So they, they got to create content. So if they're going to put these shows together, then do you have these branding specialists at ESPN going, oh, well, we don't want to create confu okay, confusion. Okay, we'll, fine. Let's, let's just go WEC pay-per-view on it, and it's UFC, prevent, uh, UFC presents Aldo versus Faber, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I I think what it comes down to is just the amount of content they have to produce, right? Like they just have to keep. What, what are they doing? Forty shows this year? I think it's more than that. I think it's I it was like, like forty-seven 40, to forty-eight okay. or something like that. Yeah, and if you if you have a contract to to fulfill this many shows, this and you're kind of like changing the brands. It's like, well, what are you giving us now? Are you okay, giving fine. us maybe maybe it's not in this life cycle of the ESPN deal. Maybe right. it's in the next yeah, one. Yeah. But I mean, to, to, at at what point does the fact that tonight, you know, stateside there wasn't a lot of intrigue on that main card. At what point does that start to lower your bottom line? If it hasn't already, you know, yeah. when it comes to pay per view buys. Yeah. Yeah, I, don't know. I honestly don't even know if the UFC cares about pay-per-view buys anymore. It feels like in a lot of ways that they don't, you know, it's not, yeah. it's not what it once was. I no. mean, the ESPN deal changed the model of how the UFC promotes. Completely. And, um, I think we're in this like awkward growing pain era right now where the UFC, I mean, is making money. There's no doubt they're making money with this ESPN deal, but as, and I don't even know, like ca casuals are, I think are, you know, when they come and go, that's that's whether or not it's like the boom period or a big show for the UFC. But for the most part right now, they're not reliant on casuals to make them the money that they were before. You know, mm -hmm. that, that, that 
It's, at least that's what it feels like. It feels like this one point whatever billion dollar deal that the ESPN deal was over five years has sort of made them just sort of satisfied and content. Yeah. And uh, I agree with that. On the outside looking in, like uh, there's no reason to change unless you're forced to. Right. And there's no serious competition that's looming to really make them kind of force their hand or like really, really up the quality. Well, let's look at their competition for a brief moment. Bellator's on DAZN. I never see a promo for it anywhere. You know, the only reason I know they have a show coming up is because I look at MMA news. Mm -hmm. Um, The PFL's on the same damn channel. (laughs) You know, it's, it's, it's a weird time. There's more MMA than ever. And it feels like the UFC is further and further away from its competition than it's ever been. Yeah. The the PFL one is interesting because I, I feel like while I don't watch a lot of a ton of TV, I, I don't really see any advertising for it. Even The on only like, time I see a PFL promo is when I'm watching the UFC on ESPN+. Plus. <laughs> it's the only time I see a PFL promo. I don't know if that's a good thing or, or a bad thing. It's a weird thing because <laughs> it's, it's something thing. that the UFC would have never allowed 10, 15 years ago. Right. The UFC would have never signed with a network that would allow that network to then sign another promotion to its same airwaves right. after they signed a deal. Right. But it's kind of good, though, because ESPN is the big dog. And they UFC needs ESPN a lot more than ESPN needs UFC, in my opinion. 100%. Yeah. I mean, there's, so there's a lot They don't lot really of, get to call the shots on that venue. You know, you're well, they kind of do, though. Because you're dealing uh, with Disney, though. Yeah, but they kind of do still at the same time because we saw a promo tonight for UFC Live, which I assume is MMA Live, but it's just now dedicated to the UFC. Mm-hmm. There's not another real... I mean... The, I, I don't know, though, that, that it's not like Ariel is going to stop talking about Bellator on his show. You know, I don't think we're there yet. Right. I don't think that it, it's going to change the commentary. Or it, and maybe maybe it's different, but name another sport that allows that that gets on a network and covers itself like that. Because you know, on UFC Live, it's going to be UFC personalities. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I granted it's a little bit different when it's like the NFL. You know, because yeah. it's it's not there's no real competitor. Like, yeah, no one's screaming that the arena league isn't getting yeah. coverage on. ESPN when they do XFO. Right. I mean, hey. Uh, but, I mean, it, it, it does feel weird when they did have a show called MMA Live. Mm-hmm. And now it's basically just a UFC-branded show. Yeah. UFC no, you're right. That that does very much feel like a UFC move. Um, I mean, I'm curious. Like, the UFC is still in charge of production. You know, right. the UFC decides who covers their sport on ESPN. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. I don't know any. I, I mean, I haven't watched a lot of it, but I mean, you see the same characters generally covering the UFC on ESPN that we're covering it on Fox, with the exception of Chael Sonnen and Gilbert Melendez. Mm-hmm. You know, beyond that, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's MMA is just trickier because the like you were saying, the NFL, all the best football players now go to the NFL. NFL ha- is the league. You know, the MLB is Antonio the Brown. league. Where are you at? <laughs> Yo, if we can get an Antonio Brown, Johnny Menzel hookup in the XFL, like, sign me up. Or in Bellator. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. There's no better note to leave yeah, on, I think. That's a so. good one. <laughs> yeah. If you missed any part of the broadcast, you can check it out. Patreon.com forward slash between rounds. Uh, we're on Spreaker, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google. 
Uh, I think everywhere else. iHeartRadio. Listen to us. For Micah Miller, I'm TJ DeSantis. This has been Beat Down After the Bell. Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. And now it comes in two great tropical flavors, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious and can transport you to a tropical paradise. Try them both, then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com. You could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 731.20. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details.